to the Edge of the Headlights podcast. My name is Rob, and sitting across from me is my King Kong to my Godzilla, my good friend Marty. How was, was your week this, Marty? It's been good. Uh, other than the unseasonably warm yesterday and now raining and lightning again today at like 40 degrees. Right? Yeah, that's, that's typical. Bipolar South Dakota, typical, typical. Right. Well, my week was kind of shitty. A uh, friend of mine, actually, I would consider him a friend of mine, and a really close friend of my son and his friends passed away suddenly last week. And it was it was a terrible tragedy what happened to him. He was a good kid. And it was just bad that people feel isolated and depressed. He just I wish people people need to call this number. If you feel depressed or isolated, please call one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. It's a national suicide prevention lifeline. He was a good kid. And I wish I could have been more help for him. And all his friends feel the same way. Our deepest sympathies goes out to Adon's family for their loss. Adon, you will be greatly missed. So, yeah, I've had a, it's been a, not a fun week for me right. so far. So let's get into some really funky stuff and let's try and lighten the mood here. We're going to go into part two of our little spiel on Antarctica. With Antarctica, everybody's heard of the world-famous Operation High Jump which was a military action that took place in Antarctica during the late 1946 to the early part of 1947. This operation was led by the United States military. The primary purpose was to establish the Antarctic Research Base Little America. That name sound familiar there? Right. Besides trying to set up base camp of Little America, they were there to train personnel in the following. This is the public view. This is what they tell the public this was all about. We'll get right. into we'll get into nitty gritty and the, the fun stuff here in a little bit. Yeah, this was the the happy public face they Yeah, this threw this out was there. the CNN. Yes, this is right. what happened. They're they down there the first thing they're down there to do is train personnel and test equipment in frigid conditions. First of all, I have a question about that. Why would you have to go all the way to Antarctica? It's cold enough in Canada. Oh yeah, yeah no, and there's Norway, open, Denmark, and then yeah. we're all allied countries. We could right. have easily gotten there. And there's plenty of open space to do what you want in most of Canada. Let's be yeah, real, there it's is a lot of open, and it area. just gets as cold there as it probably would in Antarctica. <clears throat> and part second part was to consolidate and extending the U.S. sovereignty over the largest practical area of the continent. Well, that makes sense. That that one is that that's checks. pretty self-explanatory yeah. there. Let's take up as much land as we can. And we'll just we'll just rule over penguins. Third thing is to defer the feasibility of establishing, maintaining, and utilizing air bases on the ice. Again, they could have just done that in Norway, Denmark, Iceland, yeah, very, Greenland. Yeah. Very true. Very very true. Yeah. Fourth thing: amplifying the existing stores of knowledge of electromagnetic, geological, geographical, hydrographic, and meteorological propagation conditions in the area. When I hear all that, the first thing I think of is harp. <laughs> ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was like the seeds of harp. He's like, hey, can we mess with the weather? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because not to get on a side topic. but oh, get on a side when, topic. When, Who cares? Uh, We're, uh, go ahead. When was harp actually officially uh, put together? 70s, early 70s? I was, say it was, I was thinking it was 70s, so this would predate it at least by 20 years. Yeah, somebody probably know. had like, can we change the weather to make it not as cold? <laughs> Some guy said, then like, ding, light bulb went on with one of the scientists. <laughs> I've got what? a guy. i got a guy. <laughs> and the fifth thing was supplementary objectives to the Nanook, the Nanook expedition. I have never heard of the Nanook expedition. 
So I've I had heard, to look it up. <laughs> yeah, I've heard the word Nanook as, you know, like Nanook Nanook of the North and, and just weird. You're thinking of your wife in Nanookie. Ugh. Oh, if she ever <laughs> listens, you are she in does. so much trouble. She does every week. Oh, boy. You're in trouble. Probably. Basically, the Nanook expedition took place from July 22nd, 1946 through August 5th, 1946. All activities were centered on Thule. Thule is now known as, well, God damn it, why do they have names like this? Quanaqua is the main, which this town is the main town in northwestern Greenland. The inhabitants speak, why did I write this? I could just said they speak some foreign language, but I had to go and say what kind of language did they speak. The language they speak are Inuktun, Kalalestet, and Danish. That's the easiest word out of the three. That is. The mission of the Nanook expedition was to erect a radio tower and weather station. This station was a joint operation between Danish and American militaries. The station was kept in operation until 1951. In 1951, Thule Air Base was built. Hmm. So who do you think made the first contact with the indigenous people of the area? Come on. Come on. This is all tied. Remember, everything ties into Antarctica. Right. So uh. the first person that made discovered this, these Inukton. Inukton. Yeah, the indigenous people was a Mr. Sir John Ross in 1818. And guess what? He was the uncle of the famous explorer, Sir James Clark Ross, who led expeditions to Antarctica. Ah, interesting. Yeah, there's always some tie back. But it also could be just from the the era that they're into. They're always, oh, let's go this way. See how far right. we can go. So, all right, let's jump back into Operation Hydra and give it a look from the conspiracy world with a basic overview of the events that did or did not happen. Because if you're listening to this episode and you hear somebody talk about Operation High Jump, you know everything that supposedly happened. We're just going to give a brief overview, and then we'll get into some other weird stuff, maybe. Basically, this is to chest. The U.S. military went down to Antarctica chasing rumors of the supposed Nazi base that held the last remaining Nazis holdouts of World War II. Second thing. The U.S. military showed up and started looking for Nazis, and during this search, Admiral Byrd had his adventure in the hollow earth. See, I was kind of confused if it happened before. I'm assuming it happened before the UFO thing that's going to be happening here shortly. Right. But I didn't know if because ha- it doesn't really give a timeline or definite if it happened. Yeah. Bird first, then the UFOs, or the UFOs, then Bird. But I'm assuming it went Bird, UFOs. I would, I would assume Bird. Yeah. After the Bird's little adventure, the Nazis came out flying UFOs bearing the Swatska emblem and attacked the U.S. military and kicked the U.S. military's ass. So, because hmm. <laughs> from everything I had, it was like people, di- a whole bunch of people died. A ship was like cut in half. And yeah. went, and I'm like, you think there'd be some wreckage, but there's never any picture or proof of the wreckage. Not saying it didn't happen. Right. But but even then, they, they already were building up a history of scrubbing things yeah. from from full record. Yeah. Opera- basically, Operation High Jump is the most talked about case of weird shit happening in the Antarctica. But I found one a little more interesting, if it's a true story. Did you know there was supposed to be a secret war fought by the British alone in Antarctica? This secret war by the British started roughly in 1943 through 1948, basically at the end of World War II. Hmm. So the Brits were down there long before we got down there supposedly right so which i mean would make sense 
with as big as the British Empire was long before we were doing stuff. Yeah. I'm sure they've had stuff floating around all over. This one of those where they just put a pin in it and like we're gonna go back there. You know, they just got like a giant dartboard. You know, they're really big at playing darts in England. Uh, yeah. And oh, God, Speaking yeah. of England, we got to bring this up. We do. We do. We have a, actually. I I checked my Spotify graphics and that, and we actually have somebody from England that listens to us. Thank which, you. Which is absolutely mind blowing, but that, awesome. I'm I'm hoping that they are going to check back in and and keep listening. Yeah, uh, and they just say we're not a couple of bleeding wankers. Right. Who are these wankers? <laughs> what are these goddamn yanks going on about? Yeah. You know? So hopefully, if you are listening, thank you, and tell all your friends about us. And no, it's not haggis. It's um. What's the food that they eat? Fish and chips. There we go. Fish and chips. Heck Fish and yeah. chips. Yeah. Basically, the war and the secret war that was held in by the British in Antarctica is told by. I found this article on the internet. You can find it, and I'm just going to call the guy. It's told through an unknown British soldier. We'll just call him Steve. Basically, Steve is flown from England to the Falklands, where he is trained by a Norwegian in winter warfare and survival, which makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. Then after months of training, which which whenever I, that doesn't say how long many months it went on. This the Steve guy said, "Yeah, we trained for you months." So the Steve and his unit of people were dispatched to Moling Hoffman Mountain in Arica. That's one of the larger mountains. If you look at it flat, like on any map, yeah, it'd be on the north side. If you're looking at like this, okay, yeah, if you look yeah, at palm yeah. of your hand and the top of your the pointer finger there, that's right. where it's at. That'd be on the north, let's say. So this is where Steve's unit was told about what they were going to be doing. Actually, they were told about polar men. We mentioned that in the Bigfoot oh, we, episode. We, we did. Yeah. They were told about polar men, underground bases, and the Nazi activity in, in those underground bases. And to set the mood further, the unit, mysteri- technically they got a, they played the last radio transmission of the people that went in before them. And they're like, yeah, there's only six words that they got from this last tra- radio transmission, and it consisted of these. The polar men have found us. Well, that's awful uh, boosting for your morale. Oh, yes. I really feel like it's, that's really keister squeezing right there. Oh, Jesus. So Steve's unit was told about the Americans and the Russians were mounting their own expedition and how Britain wanted to beat them to the punch to any possible technological advantage for themselves since World War II had almost bankrupt the country. There's a lot of countries that I think it bankrupt. Oh, it was just yeah, like, no. Most of Europe was just devastated. Yeah. Not just physically with buildings, but just... Emotionally, Financially, and, yeah. Everyone was beaten down to nothing. Yeah. Which is, I think, probably what helped the U.S. and Russia then build Become up the because we didn't have any of that. Uh, we did. Everybody lost damage. a lot of lives, but the fighting wasn't on our own soil, yeah. which makes a big difference. Oh yeah, yeah. So Steve, so Steve and his unit shows up at the location where the radio signal about the polar man came from, and they find a deserted camp. And a lone survivor, who was who was barricaded in the radio room, and the radio didn't work. Oh God! So, this lone survivor now, besides Steve, this lone survivor will call Chuck. Chuck tells Steve and his unit there is one of the polar men trapped in a building nearby. <laughs> so, with all intelligence, two members of Steve's unit don't believe Chuck, and they say they'll go check out to the supposed trapped polar man. Needless to say, like with any B grade movie, well, Steve gets more from well, the. Basically, these two guys go check, like, the two red shirts go check the shed. <laughs> the two red shirts. <laughs> while Steve tries to get more information out of Chuck. But before Steve can get any more information out of Chuck, gunfire erupts from outside the radio room. 
Steve finds the two soldiers that went in to investigate the captured polar man dead and eviscerated, and footprints of the polar man leading off into the frozen wasteland of Antarctica. Steve and his unit do not follow the tracks because Chuck tells them they will never find the creature. Chuck then relays a tale of what he and his unit saw on the underground bases and how to get there. Yikes. Uh, yeah, no, uh, for all future reference, if someone's like, hey, I've got one of these locked up in here, don't go mess with it. Just assume they probably have something locked up in there. I'm yeah. just picturing, like, signs where the, the neighbor has the, the alien trapped in his uh, pantry. I never seen what? Signs, the film? Oh, signs. I thought you were yeah. talking about somebody had a post, like, on their no, fence no, or something. No, no, no. And, and, you know, he's creeping under there, and all of a sudden the hand comes out. It's like, no, just trust there's something in there. That's your neighbor. He doesn't want to go in there because he's already dealt with it. I don't need to see it. Yeah. The, they talk about this entrance to the underground base. Is He says it's located in one of the uncommon dry valleys of Antarctica. And the only mention I could find of a dry valley in Antarctica, there's actually dry valleys in Antarctica where there is no snow. Yeah. Because it's kind of capped off by the glacier, keeps more snow and the ice from going on. And the closest one I could find was a dry valley in McMurdo. Okay. Which is on the total opposite side of where this story is said to take place. Oh, geez. It's like the whole, co- you have to travel across, all the way straight across the continent to find right. this. But the way this story is written, if it's true in that, it's like right there by these mountains. Because I looked up a picture of these mountains, they look pretty much ice covered. Yeah. So it's, they're like, there's like ice almost at the peaks, it looks like a couple of pieces of rock coming out of the snow. Yeah, it's just mostly just white death. <laughs> Excuse me. So Chuck and the previous unit, and the previous unit follow, basically this is Chuck telling his tale. Chuck and the previous unit followed their underground tunnel for miles before coming upon a vast cavern that was ge- geothermally heated, which allowed for underwater lakes and streams and other strange things about the cavern. What these strange things about the cavern were never mentioned in the story. Hmm. So I don't know if there's like weird, funky alien monkeys or something. Right, or even just writing or some yeah, weird just, stuff they're seeing. Yeah, what 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 do you consider weird in a cave? Like, if I see an albino salamander, I haven't seen one, that's going to be weird to me. Right. Yeah, it's not something I'm used to seeing. Especially in, in a, a warm cave in the frozen Antarctic, you know. Or it could have just been that. It's like it was weird because it was actually warm. Right. Because there's a lot of the reports that, like, where they're close enough to, like, the ground is thermally heats it, like, from lava flows and that. Yep. So... Then, um, either way, at the far side of this cavern, Chuck and his men noticed a glow of artificial lightning. Lights. Lighting. <laughs> light bulbs. They followed the light bulbs so they came upon a huge Nazi base with U-boats and strange-looking aircrafts. Again, I know what a U-boat is, but what's a strange-looking aircraft? I'm pretty sure if you've gone through the whole of the war, you've seen, like, the Luftwaffe. 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 There we go. You've seen them. They were, like, the first jet planes you've seen them yeah and like their flying v's and stuff that they had already been experimenting with so they couldn't have been so it had to be something that would be quite extraordinary i think for them for these military people to call this is a strange looking aircraft it doesn't take as chucks and his group are down there it doesn't take long the nazis to notice chuck and his men as firefight breaks out between the two chuck's unit is forced to retreat back down the tunnel when they are attacked by the polar man (laughs) This, uh, is where Chuck, this is where the part where Chuck explains the polar men are actually a Nazi experiment. Oh, damn. Which kind of ties in because they were doing some really fucked up shit. They, they were. There was a lot of horrible things they were attempting. Yeah, they had like a, a real affinity for like twins and that. 
Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they would, like, poke one in the eye and see if the other one felt it, like, two rooms away. And yeah, A lot of their stuff was based around eugenics and, and yeah. dealing with genetics, early genetic stuff. I mean, sadly, a lot of the work that we have done since then was based from a lot of their stuff they did. Yes, but and, and it's kind of horrible because you're just like, oh, we know where that came from. But look at all the good stuff we got out of it. So you well, just at least we pretend. never sold like twins together to see oh, yeah. what happened. No, no, we no. Didn't. We didn't do any of that. No. But, but some the, of the things they But learned, America has done some very horrible oh, things. Yeah. So oh, no. Don't, no there's no doubt about that. can't lie about that because they have been like the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, yeah. And They've done terrible things for terrible reasons for what right. they thought was a good cause. There's, oh, yeah, yeah. There's even rumors out there that Lyme disease was brought on by the government. Oh, really? I never heard that. I guess I wouldn't be that shocked. But. Yeah, because like that happened like at Montauk and all that, but that's probably a different episode. Oh, oh yeah, with Montauk. Oh yeah, that does make sense actually. So now, after Chuck explains all this to him, it's like so now Chuck and his unit are tasked with destroying the underground base that Chuck couldn't do. Chuck failed. So Chuck takes him to this dry valley and shows him the entrance, where Steve sets up their base camp. And there's a couple of geologists from Steve's unit. These are those. They go look at the side of the tunnel, and they notice that they're really smooth, so they can't be natural. So they had to be somehow they got man-made. They're saying. Hmm. The next day, they head into the tunnels and leave two soldiers behind to guard the camp. Can you guess what's going to happen to them? Oh no! <laughs> no, come on. It's it. I don't think it's going to be that bad of a B-grade movie. They can't have leave too many red shirts. They need right, some I was red. Was going to say, were they wearing red by any <laughs> chance? After a few hours of Steve going down the tunnels and that, they came upon the Nazi camp, like Chuck described, including U-boats and strange-looking aircrafts again. Now, Steve's unit has mines, so they set several mines around the base and blow it up, but not before they are made to retreat down the tunnel back toward the base camp. Steve and the surviving men make it to the surface, where they set more mines at the entrance of the tunnel and blow it up. Basically, that's where the story ends. The rest of the article talks about where they got all the information from, like, U-boat caption, captured personnel, SS officers. Wow. So, it'd be, that'd be really cool. I hope it does happen, because it sounds like... It'd be, I wouldn't want to be the guy... I wouldn't want to be the red shirts with the polar men. No, no, no. I, I wouldn't want to be Chuck's first team. No. Because, I mean, at, at least with Steve's team, that's the importance of gathering intelligence. We need to set some minds over here, <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Whereas poor Chuck's team goes in just blind. We're like, let's go get some Jerry's. No. Oh, no. Now you're dealing with polar men. Polar men. I don't know if that... Yeah, I'm not going to go down that road. We'll stay <laughs> I'm not going to go down that road. So, as you notice, like, even in our last episode, Thule and Ultimate Thule have always been mentioned. They're always in a combination of them two words. have always been mentioned with Antarctica, either with places that are named Thule. Or mostly they're connected to, like, the Nazis. Because they're looking for Thule, which they believe the Aryans are at and all this. Right. But, I'm interested, I went well, down this rabbit hole. This was not. This is a fun, but this is, yeah, this is a rabbit hole. Basically, the name Thule was first used by the ancient Greeks and Romans to name the furthest north location that they knew at the time. Hmm. Yeah, the, then basically, how far north do you think that was? Yes, with the Greeks? Yeah. We need to quit using paper because I hear it on my recording when I listen back <laughs> to the episode. We need to find a different way because I'm killing like 10 trees here every time when I print stuff off at home. The Lorax would not be pleased. The Lorax. He's probably <laughs> in Antarctica. Ooh. I don't know, was he? I'm not really sure. 
No, no. We got, are we allowed to talk about Dr. Seuss? I I, th- I think that'll get kicked off now. No, I don't Dr. Think so. Seuss is a no-no. No, but nah, we said <laughs> Lorax. You, you said Dr. Seuss, so you get kicked off. Uh, okay, so basically, modern interpretation as to where this location could be that the Greeks and Roman mentioned was either Orkney, Shetland, Scotland, or any number of places in the north of, in the north of the Greek and Roman empires. So that leaves it pretty broad interpretation. Right. I mean, that is quite a, quite a ways north. Yeah, it could have been like Greenland, Iceland, and all right. that. Now, in classical and medieval literature, Ultima Thule, Ultima Thule acquired a metaphorical meaning of any distant place located beyond the known world at the time. By the late to middle ages, late middle ages and early modern period of literature, and the Greco-Roman Thule was often identified with Iceland or Greenland. Which makes sense. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. The, the rabbit. This is just. You're just. We're just poking our head in the rabbit hole. <laughs> I go a little deep on this. This is one. just the little clovers around the hole. Yeah, like, it's like the little sprouts of man. green. It's like, oh, come closer. What's in here? Okay. Now, name everybody like Ultimate Thule has been taken off. It's because of the negative connotation. There was that asteroid on the Kuiper Belt, that large object that they changed like Aurorock or. Yep. Because it was Ultima Thule, because they thought of the negative connotation. So, did you know in the Mammoth Cave System of Kentucky, there's a location called Ultima Thule? I did not. Yeah. There is also the Southern Thule Islands near Antarctica that were occupied by Argentina in 1976. The occupation was not contested by the British until 1982, and the Falkland War broke out, during which British sovereignty was restored. So here we go. <laughs> Why would, if you're the British Empire, if you look on Google, I put a picture on our Instagram of what the Sandwich Islands look like. Why in the hell would you want these little spits of land in the middle of nowhere? I mean, the, the only obvious answer would just be the, the arrogance of that is ours and we are going to keep it. But there's no practical like even military common sense to fight over that little chunk. Yeah. And they must not really cared about it because it took them four, six years before they even did anything about it. Yeah. Or maybe it just took them that long to sail down there. <laughs> okay, this was 19, it was 1982, so it probably took them, didn't take them that long to sail right, down there. Right, but still. So let's see. Let's talk about the names of the islands. There's Basically, when you look at Google Map, it's in a crescent shape. I have to picture this in your head. It's in a crescent shape. And when you look at it, it looks like seven little islands, but technically it's nine. And going from north to south, the northernmost island is called Savodusky Island. The next one is Viskokal Island. The third one down, the fourth one down, basically there are two. They're like two little, they're close enough to each other, but they each have different names, but they're called one. It is the Candlemass Islands and Vindication Island. are close enough together that they're just mostly mentioned as the Candlemass Islands. Below the Candlemass Islands is Saunders Land. Uh, Saunders Island, not his land. Well, it could be his land. Then now, below that one is Montague. Mont- how do you say that? Montague? Montagua. Montagua Island. This island interests me. Because I looked this up on You can Google map and go on your phone right now. At least I hopefully mine's updated. But if you go on there, only show, only show you can see the outline of the island, but it only shows you half of the island. All the other islands, 
It shows you the whole island. Now that is a little odd. You can see out in the ocean, you can see like into the ocean, but it only shows you half of this island. So I'd say, well, if they're in the middle of, of scanning it, why, at this point, you've already got everything down there, why would you not just finish it off? Plus, it's done, by, it's, not, it's done from, by a satellite. It oh, yeah. passes. And the one below this interesting island is Bristol Island. It also is only half shown on Google Earth. Hmm. So why in the hell? Then we come to the southern Thule Islands, which all the, this island changes named after, which consider, which consists of Thule Island and Cook Island. Again, with the Cook. Yep. So this got me thinking outside the box about why the British would worry about some island at the ass end of the world, basically. These islands aren't large, aren't large enough to hold any strategic value, from what I can see. Do you see any? No, no well, absolutely. You kind of I should it's, have a picture for you to look at so you get better. Yeah, no, I, I know what they look like, yeah. but yeah, there's really nothing around there other than just a break point between Antarctica. Maybe you know. fishing? Maybe really yeah. fishing? And even there, I think a lot of the waters around there are pretty nasty and rough, too. Well, they're rough, they? but they're really, really deep. Yeah. Because basically these islands are all like volcanic islands. Yeah. That's what caused them. Because it's pretty cool, you know, like I keep saying this, but like on Google Maps... You see this crescent, and it's just like the like boop 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 boop. Yeah, and it's like really neat looking. And then um, so that got me to speculative, thinking speculatively about what could be going on. Here we go with the, <laughs> my whole thing, whole thing with this fool word. This adds up. <laughs> Click putting yep. the seatbelt on. Now just yeah, please do so, Bob. The Thule word is used out through all of human history, from ancient Rome to even up to today. The word Thule, you get. Thule car carriers are on top of cars. That's a major brand. Yep. So, what if this word Thule, or ultimate Thule, was actually part of our genetic memory? Part of our just our basic human genetic, genetic memory. Right. It's like what birth... If you're wondering what genetic memory is, like homing pigeons. They have, like, once they're born, they know how to get home. No matter where in the world you take them, yep. they can get home. There's actually been a couple of races that got out of Australia and they flying from like Australia to New York. Crazy. Yeah. Them. I suppose it's, it's, yeah, it's no different than uh, spawning salmon and that they will always go back to their same birth spot to give birth. See, I think, excuse me, the Thule thing is actually, I think it's part of our genetic memory is for us to tell us that it's our subconscious way of our mind telling us Thule is actually something in our distant past. And it is either located in the northern or southern, like where it's cold. Right. So we have it's like, it's like it, I can't. I'm trying to describe it. Based our subconscious mind is trying to tell us we have been here before, and this place is important. That's why the Thule name keeps popping up. But when we go there, all we see is this harsh, inhospitable environment. But it's like the song lyrics go: "The ocean is a desert with its life underground." Very true. Yeah. Uh... Oof. I, I, I do believe in genetic memory type mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, even on just the basic animal level with us, that is why we do, most of us do have a fear of things like spiders. And it is, I think, a genetic. You have throwback. to be careful with that word spider because if my youngest hears that, he'll freak out. <laughs> he saw. Eight legged friends. Well, he saw a spider, was it? Sunday. And it's, I, what I thought I was reading, I was researching for t this topic. And he's like, Dad! I'm like, what? And he looks, points up the ceiling. I'm like, 
oh, there's a hairball up there for one of the damn dogs, whatever. Right, right. And he's like, grabs me. He's like, Dad! He's like, tears rolling down his eyes. He's dramatic. And I'm like, what? He's like, you can't say the word. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And all of a sudden it moves. like, oh, it's just a spider. He went straight <laughs> underneath the coffee table. <laughs> and he sat there for almost an hour and a half. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, it's gone, dude. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I want my computer. I want my milk. I'm like, dude, get off my table. This is annoying. I'm... Oh, my gosh. And it was like he was underneath that coffee table for like an hour and a half. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> no, there, sec- again, that in makes my point. There is just that genetic fear of certain things. Well, that's, uh, that's... <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> <laughs> Not about my kid, but when I was younger, I grew up on a farm. And my brother, I have, I'm the... I'm the oldest of three boys. Yep. I'm the shortest. <laughs> but I'm the best looking, I tell everybody. Yeah, this is true. So my middle brother, you know, the middle brother, and him, we were dinking around, we were done with our chores, and I didn't know this at the time, but he was deathly scared of grasshoppers. Oh, yeah. And we lived in a trailer house, and you know, like the trailer house's door, they got that big plate glass window. Yep. I'm on the outside of the house. Get this. I'm on the outside of the trailer house holding this grasshopper going, I'm going to get you. He's inside the house on the porch. Well, in his, my brothers, I love them both, but sometimes they're all dumb. <laughs> but in his infinite wisdom, he punched through the glass <laughs> from the inside of the house to the outside of the house. Oh, no. And I'm like, Mom! Because he cut himself and he's oh, bleeding yeah. everywhere, and I get my ass whooped. <laughs> Oh, but I'm like, I always thought I would think about it. And I'm like, why didn't you just walk away? But no, he punched. <laughs> he tried to punch the grasshopper through the glass window. Lock, lock the damn door. I can't get in now. <laughs> yeah, that's what he would have done. But uh, it's, yeah, it's but, just that primal fear of just like kill it. Brah. Yeah, but you know, like kids don't think to either. I could oh, just no. got in the house, locked the door, and said, "Fuck you." Yeah, no. Oh, Jesus. So my question is now, the second part of this is, what if the British did find something in the South Polar Ocean, especially in the Sandwich Islands or the Southern Thule Islands? Now, that makes me, well, this, this idea came from, like, because Bristol Island and Montagawa Island, which is owned by, they're both owned by Britain. And the British, and the, that's why they're half covered up. Because that whole thing is, oh, that whole chain is owned by the British yeah. Empire. So they got a little bit worried when Argentina decided to flex its muscles and get a little froggy. Right. And then they, maybe they, on them two islands, they found something that they shouldn't find. That Then the Britain, they sent a ship down to them. The name of the ship was uh, HMS Hecutate, like the goddess Hecutate. Mm. Mm-hmm. To wipe out, Interesting. And basically they wiped out the buildings and everything on the island. Oh, wow. Yep. Another page just gone. Like, just like scorched earth, the whole thing. It was like yeah, but I looked up at the gun. The, they must have had like bombs or something because when you look up the ship, it only had like a twenty millimeter gun. Really? Basically, it's an anti aircraft gun yeah. that can't point down. It basically yep. far up in the air. But it also that Hecatet for that class of ship, there also was a light helicopter, so they could have just oh, bombed okay. it. I'm okay. assuming they had a bunch of bombs or something. Right. But the interesting thing about the HMS Hecatet is the name of the ship. Hecate is a Greek goddess and is most often shown holding torches or keys. In later forms, she is depicted in the triple form, which is two crescents besides a circle. The islands are shaped in a crescent. Hecate is also known to do either good or evil things. Scorched earth policy there. Yep. She is also associated with witchcraft, magic, 
the moon, and doorways. Ah. Oh, the doorways is interesting. The whole thing is. Because it could be like there's talk in the world, like conspiracy worlds, like where the the supposed people, the shadow government, and the people in ultimate power. Right. To do something, they have to give you, they have to tell you that they're going to do it before they can actually do it for karma. They believe in karma. They're yep. big about yep. karma. And maybe it's just karma. Like, yeah, we're going to heck it. We're going to send that ship. And that ship's been in service. That name of that ship's been in service oh, since the 1800s. I was going to say, that's a long it's, history of That, that ship's name. name has been through a lot of ships. It's like six or seven. And it's even today, it's still a ship. Yeah. So, it's... Then um, you got also... Basically, the British stepped in and shut down Argentina because they, get, they were getting too close to something, I think. Because they wanted to know... They want to know what's on those islands. They, either they know what's on those islands and they don't know what to do with it or they don't want anybody else to know with it right and find out figure out how to use it so it's like with the scholarship it's something down there that they don't want to make public till it's time yeah 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 i mean there there's two ways to do that either uh like you said they're not sure what to do with it but we don't want anyone else knowing or we want to know exactly how this works before we show everyone else so we have that upper hand of already knowing this. Yep. Which politically makes sense. I mean, just thinking from a pure militaristic idea of it, I want to know exactly how that weird thing works first before we're like, hey, we found this thing. Well, what's it do? Oh, we'll show you. Yeah. We <laughs> you don't know. know. We don't have well, a damn we clue what it this. does, but yeah, just just come over here and give us our money and we'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. This is what we want and we'll show you what it can do. Yeah. Then you got, there's always like, so I find it interesting like with the doorways because there's always the talk of underground bases. Oh, yeah. And that, that really drives me like, also with number nine, there's nine islands. You can go deeper into numerology on this. That's a whole twisty rabbit hole that goes inverts on itself and makes like an infinite number of loops. It, it does. Numerology stuff makes my head hurt sometimes, not because I don't understand it, but because of how well sometimes it makes sense. But then I start questioning Am I wanting it to make sense? Is that why it makes Never sense? Never question anything. Exactly. Just just roll with it. Because if you go with the ancient aliens, I hate that word. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they had a one episode called The Council of Nine. There's oh, nine yeah, islands. Yeah. Yep. Nine is basically the number of Mother Earth. Yep. The protector. Nine is a very powerful number. Right. In numerology. From, from the brief stuff I read on it. Right. So you go from this whole route, nine... And seven also is a powerful number too. If you right. just if you just say there's only seven islands, because if you don't count the two that are close together, it just yeah. makes seven. So, but still, seven is a very always considered a power number. Yeah, lucky number. Yeah, well, I've never is technically the I think God's thir- number is seven. Well, I think thirteen's a lucky number. See, I've always had a good Friday the Thirteenth. I've yeah. usually had a pretty good day. Yeah, so have I. When, when everybody's like, "Oh, look out! It's Friday the 13th. Oh, I'm like, oh, which one? Part three? Because that's horrible. Oh, you mean the date? Or the one in yeah, space? No, it's fine. The it's one great. in space was that's pretty good. <sighs> oh, come on! That you know that's just that's that's one of your that's oh space. My God. Jason, I think it's like <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth, fifteen or something. It's Jason X. Jason X. <sighs> but then he's got the cool cyborg body. He does, but there's just so much awful in that film. Oh, my God. Well, it's you have so the awful. nude android in it. That's a good thing. <laughs> that, that, there, there are highlights. Let's be real. <laughs> I just like the sleeping bag scene. Where he picks oh, up. Yeah, where he picks yep. up. 
Yeah, and she just pummels, pummels. Yeah, he uses pummels. it like a fly swatter. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Yeah. See, but the funny thing is, too, me and Marty just went and saw Godzilla vs. Kong. We won't give any spoilers away from the movie. And we were just kind of in shock for what happens in the movie. It kind of ties into what we're kind of talking about right now. Like, it was pretty nuts because we had no idea. What yeah, me and Marty went into, into Kong. We knew they were going to fight each other. Yeah, it's, it's big monsters smashing shit. We I, like I'm that. Down. Big monster smash. Right. But yeah, like right away we're just like looking at each other. We're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was really, really, if you get a chance, go please go see this movie because there should need to be more monster movies like that. Oh, it is just an absolute blast. But I think we both agreed on this. The only part that they could have had in there would... Um, What's uh, Armadillo, dude? I can't think of his name. Angiris. Angiris. Yeah. We should have Angiris in there. I, I do want to see Angiris at some point in, in the new Toho line of stuff that they're doing. Yeah. So I'd like to see how they, because they make Godzilla look awesome. Rodan looked awesome. Oh. King Gohedra. Oh, yeah. Then I don't want to see what Angiris, because it looks yeah. like. Yeah, it's always been one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that kills me with this is I've, I've seen people reviewing and complaining about it and they're just like the plot was just thrown together it's like again it's giant monster smashing what more do you need humans are it's... usually like the subplot right you just want to know how in the hell they can get to this island and how they're going to kick each other's ass yeah uh, it was just kind of like if if you're going to this for for social context you're in the wrong theater yeah this is not the movie this is giant monsters smashing shit that's yeah. what this is it's unlike the first original Godzilla movie where it was oh, all, yeah. all about the, yeah, the the social commentary yeah. of nuclear war and the yep. fallout of it. Yep. And and it's brilliant. But everything after that was giant monsters smashing things. And that's why I watched it as a kid. Oh, yeah. Like, that's what I want to see. Oh, look at that. There's this giant, like, Angira. Great. Loved him. Brought in Mothra. Heck yeah, giant moth. This is great. And that's mm-hmm. why I watched it. And we get to like the people parts. I was like, oh, I'm going to go get a snack. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know. Really, you had some really lame dialogue. But this movie was really good. There's actually, I thought there was quite a bit of plot. This turned into I movie. This, how come this turns, every time we start talking about movies, it turns into like a movie talk thing? I'm just a pop culture reference of stupid yeah. shit. So let's, let's get back let's to. Let's get back here. <laughs> let's get back to the cold country. So there's always been mention of underground bases. Either those owned by top secret, our own top secret military, alien bases, and even the previous advanced civilization that predates our own. Ever since Bird, these have been popular even before Bird was mentioned, but not. He made it the more popular way of looking like there's stuff underground underneath the sites. What could be all possible? And if you could think about it, what do you what do you what's that look on your face for? We need a video camera just taking a picture of you. Just just watching me concentrate and think on things while I'm I'm listening and talking. Oh. <laughs> you actually think? Eh, eh. Once in a while. Once in a while? Okay. <laughs> Not when I'm on the clock. I don't get paid enough to think. Well, everybody everybody knows the bird when we've mentioned it like ten times in this episode alone. But the more modern reports of something possibly under the ice sheet of Antarctica was brought forward by Linda Moulton. I think it's Howell or Howell. Howell, yeah. Howell. And her interview with this with a retired Air Force pilot who went by the name of Brian. This pilot was stationed at, I'm assuming, McMurdo Base. Yeah. Because it never really says. Guessing. And this Brian said he was stationed in Antarctica from 1995 to 1996, which is pretty current for, well, whatever yeah. years that Big is. Big picture, yeah. Yeah. 
And this Brian person talks to Linda about the numerous UFOs he has seen while flying back and forth across Antarctica. He also makes mention of flying over one over a hole in the ice sheet that was large as a football field, after which he claims, which basically broke the law because there was a medical emergency, and it, it's basically where this hole is at, there's a no-fly zone. Okay. So he flew through it, got yelled at. He basically was reprimanded by his higher-ups and two guys in suits, hmm. basically the MIBs, right. what they're implying. All this could be true. I'm not. I'm not showing shade on anybody, but no, no, no. I'm going to say that everything, like all these stories, seem to follow the same progression. Yeah. Brian also the one of the cooler things I find out. Brian also makes mention of a group of a dozen missing scientists that were out of contact for two weeks. That sound familiar, Marty? Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Odd. Then they were out. They couldn't talk to for two weeks. They didn't. They tried radio, no contact. But then they made contact again and asked to be picked up. So as Brian guy said, when he went and picked them up, the scientists looked scared and wouldn't talk to anyone about what they had happened over the two weeks they were missing or anything. Ooh. First thing I thought of was the thing. Oh, yeah. back to movies. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Come get us. We just got to get out of here. Yeah. Back home. Wink. Which wink. one? Which one used? Which one has the dog? Oh, Check out the man. dog. Dog is always sus. Oh yeah, no, that's just uh, that's just weird. The, I mean, something. I mean, no matter what happens, something traumatized them at that point. I mean, see, if but the story is true. Missing scientists. The Americans suppose. I, I'm assuming there's probably a conglomeration of right. different scientists. But that happened again, like in 2012, with some missing Russian scientists. Mm-hmm. That was that man actually at CNN News. Everybody says, "Oh, it's fake. It's fake," but. Doesn't feel sound fake, right? It doesn't feel it, fake. Yeah, it didn't have that feel of somebody like, oh, we're gonna pull this one. But everybody is also saying too, yeah, it's Russia, and they're probably just like, oh, they probably just told them whatever, we're going, leaving, not telling anybody they're leaving. Which I mean is is a possibility too, I guess, but because yeah, it didn't it didn't feel staged and hoaxed. Yeah, an event because it made national news. It yeah. was like a big worry and. They never found them if they did or did not find them. <laughs> That's right. I got, I'm serious. I spent a couple hours looking like, did they find the guys? Did they find them? Did they find them? Did they die? Did they what? We don't know. No. Not, yeah, no, that's uh, absolutely bizarre, though. I mean, especially with that one. And why didn't they do a follow-up if they were found or not found? Can you guess what the scientists were doing? I hate, Marty probably hates quiz I hate this after a while. Can I you, hate quiz games. Yes. Can you guess what, what them Russian scientists were doing? I don't know. I don't even remember where they were at. They were investigating Lake Vostok. Oh. The largest freshwater lake in oh. Antarctica. Oh. Ooh, interesting. Yep. Very interesting. Because then I went down that road, and they're like... Oh, these scientists were attacked by creatures coming out of this hole. But the only problem with these drill holes, they're like six inches around. Right. So, ooh, a giant mouse came out. Right. See, but also, too, when you drill through the ice that deep, you're talking like a mile and a half, let's say. Yeah. Let's say use a mile and a half. The pressure from underneath shoots it up like a pot bottle if you shake yep. a pot bottle because that's the problem. Yeah. And Russia's actually got in trouble before for using like antifreeze to keep that problem oh. keep <laughs> from keeping the ice from freezing. That, that as sounds they like down. Russia. It's very practical. Yeah. Not safe, maybe, but practical. Well, it's cheaper than vodka. Oh, you don't well, want to waste not vodka. Waste the vodka. No. Then, no, you know, just it's just weird stuff that well, Russians do weird stuff anyway. Unless you're from Russia and you listen to us, 
please email us. Right. That's what you forgot to do too, Marty. You forgot to promote our email. I don't think we did that last week either. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, you Maybe. did. I don't know. Whatever. We'll promote it at the end. We're fine. We're just random like that. And also with that, Brian was talking about the UFOs. And basically he was told to shut up. He got a, He doesn't talk to Linda anymore because he got a mysterious call, this Brian guy. He got a call. And on the other end, voice says, we know what you're talking to her about. Please stop. Right. Basically, the, the MIB cease and desist order. Your yeah. first warning. Yeah. So After MIB, that, you get in accidents. Yeah. MIB, if you're listening to us, we're still waiting for an email from you. All right. And we'll gladly, we'll, we'll shave your head. I got a new thing. to I got to test that out tomorrow. I got a new thing to shave my head. Oh, nice. It's waterproof even. Not what, to use regular stick razors. What if they already did call us and then neuralized us? And we don't remember that they've already talked to us. Well, my ass doesn't hurt, so I'm pretty sure they didn't call us. My ass always hurts, so I uh, we, that that we is a good go point. By. I don't, I don't, I don't have any missing time. I, I, not recently. I no, don't think no, I've had any. No. Speaking of, you know, there's also been UFO reports, but the funny thing about the UFO reports, like what Brian said, like Project Blue Book actually has two cases. I could not, I had the dates written somewhere, but I didn't get a chance to write them down. They actually had two cases. In Antarctica, Project fucking Blue Book. Yeah, I remember seeing that list, and I was like, wait, Antarctica, are you shitting me right now? I was like, nope. Right no, and there. they're considered unknown. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were an unsolved. They didn't have any explanation for them, which I found fascinating as hell. I was like, ooh. Yeah. So it had to be something if they're going to leave it, investigate it, and still list it as an unsolved, unidentified yeah. So, what else do you think about? What do you think about this whole connection thing? Like, do you think this Brian guy is full of balarky, or is there always there's that kernel of truth? Like, even with like the Falkland, I'm not saying the Falkland Wars were fought over this because of what they found, but there's always stuff hidden behind the scenes. You know, right? There has to be something there for a kernel of truth of like, because just by the names like the Hecutate, and just. Thule is always running up in this. Yes. Or for all the research we've done, it always pops up at least once or twice. Yep. In one way or another. Yeah. Now, I, a lot of that kind of stuff, there has to be some bit of fact behind what is being said there. Uh, I honestly think what he saw is what he believes he saw. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think he was intentionally trying to lie or make a big deal or try to get publicity on it. Um, it's too bad there isn't more to the story that he could go into or even other corroboration. Yeah, that's what always sucks with stories like that. It's it's one person's word against well, no we, one. We should have bought her book. I'm pretty sure she has a book out about oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. But we do all our research straight off Wikipedia. We cut and paste. At least I do. <laughs> And I go into some weird places, like with the recipe for penguins. Never do that again, ever. Although, although, a couple of my other friends who do listen to the show did find We have friends recipes. that listen to the show? I know. I what think the hell I, is wrong I, with I, our friends? Well, I'm their DM, so they're... Oh, uh, you kind of forced, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who wants new items? Check it out. <laughs> but yeah, I know they actually, uh, they didn't mention anything. They, they sent in a group text a screenshot of a, a penguin recipe they had found somewhere. I was like, oh, you bastards. How the f- I couldn't even find <laughs> I it. I don't know where they found it. I don't ask those kind of questions. I just yeah. go, 
Oh, you sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't that creepy Pikachu guy you told me about. Uh, that was just plain creepy. Oh, we talked about this. Marty and me, creepy. after the episode last week, we were talking about he brought this Pikachu thing. And he did a really good impression. I think he should try it. Oh, no. It was Come on. fine. Anybody who hasn't seen this guy online, I, I don't remember if he still has videos on YouTube, but it's this heavier guy, like myself, who will actually like dress up as Pikachu like in cosplay. And for like three minutes, just sit into his camera going, Pika, Pika. Oh, Pikachu. And it is just the creepiest thing. Oh, my God. It, it terrifies me. It horrifies and, and keeps me sleepless at night sometimes. I just got shivers up my body. Not in a good way either. All right. Uh, uh, I can just, just picture disturbing. the guy in a bright yellow suit. He's probably got the red rosy. Yeah. Th- oh, absolutely. Face painted yellow. Oh, yeah. I mean, no shade on the dude. What you do is what you do, but he's probably got like man, a million downloads of that. Right, really right. Hits. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just so disturbing on I don't know how many different levels. Hilarious, but in a really awful way. Yeah, like need to take a shower after you watch it. Kind of hilarious. It's just yeah, really yeah. Awful. I would have to agree with you on that. Yeah. So, uh, so this pretty much ends the second part. Uh, we're going to have one more part. Sorry, you have to bear with us for one more part. Right. We're going to get the really juicy stuff and about what we actually may think will be underneath Right, that's the where ice. we get into kind of weird stuff. Because uh, we're definitely going to talk about what did the buzz, what did blah, 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 blah. what did Buzz Aldrin mean by his cryptic taps and the, te- the uh, tweet that. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, me. yeah. Lost my train of thought there. I've been <laughs> off the rail for a while. But basically, Buzz Aldrin tweeted something out about his pure unadulterated evil and then he de- de- the tweet was deleted yeah he deleted it pretty shortly after yeah but I mean, once it's already up there somebody's seen it you know and they say see it. but if you go on Snopes mm-hmm. the, te- the tweet never existed it didn't get a blue check mark really yeah supposedly Snopes says well Snopes says too that the earth revolves around the sun is false too but they try to make everybody happy well, yeah they I don't know. Again, I don't want to throw shade on them because they do have a lot of really good stuff. But then some of their stuff the last few years has felt pretty pandery. Yeah, you know, kind of like lopsided. Yeah. It's like, oh, who's who's watching us the most? Oh, that's who we're agreeing with. And again, I don't want to you know, rip onto them, but from where they started to where it is now, it does feel pretty pandery one way or another, yeah. you know. See, we're trying to not go into political outfield on everything. So yeah, no, that's one no. thing this podcast is kind of trying to shy away from. Now, don't get me wrong. I love politics, but it is too much of a hot-button issue to even mention stuff and even get into, and that's not what this show is about. No. So you got anything else for these fine folks, Marty? I do not, other than uh, I'm super excited to dig into some of our own theories of, of what we imagine or maybe even fear is is to be unleashed or there's nothing to be feared there. but fear itself <laughs> and flesh-eating bacteria but other than that just fear the fear thing fear yeah flesh-eating bacteria <laughs> now i was gonna throw out the uh, shameless pug here mm. uh, for uh, following us on edge of the headlights podcast on facebook and Instagram, and go ahead and throw us an email at uh, Edge of the Headlights Podcast at Gmail if you want to just send us stories, 
comment on how awful it is or how great you like the show, whatever. We'll, but if we'll you're, hear like, from anything. Like that guy from Brent, too. If you would send us some really cool story about some fake creatures from England, we'd be most oh. appreciative. Or, just or email even just to really... be like, hey, it's Nigel, your one UK fan. I'd be like, sweet, Nigel, that's great. That's kind of racist there. You're calling him Nigel. It could be a girl. Oh. Or Nigel. Oh, it could. It could. You're, you're, actually, you're absolutely correct. I was joking about Samantha. Marty being racist. He's not racist. He's just... <laughs> We're, yeah, whatever. We're not racist. Just what it is. Yeah, just, yeah. All but right. Yeah, you are absolutely correct. It could be a Samantha. Yeah, I, Samantha. I don't know. Samantha. So what was that? Oh, I'm trying to think of that one. It could be Bridget from, like, Bridget Jones' Diary. Oh, oh let's hope not. Unless they bring Hugh Grant. Hugh. Much as I hate him, he's just a lovable old lug. Hmm. He's no Paul Rudd. I mean, let's, let's be real. You're Simon Frost. Who? Simon Frost. Mm. Oh, uh. Nick Frost? There we go, Nick Frost. Yeah, there Nick, we go. <laughs> uh, Nick Frost, Edgar Wright, I, I got a mixture. Pegg, I got a mixture uh, of Simon Cowell and Nick Frost, so we got Simon Frost. That'd be, ooh, that'd be creepy. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, no, if uh, Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright, and Nick Frost want to email us too, that would be, that'd be fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, we're glad they take an email from you. All right, maybe do a Shaun of the Dead to the podcast, and we would be all over that. I... Yeah, we actually might get the wife talking to that one, too. She loves Shaun of the Dead. Uh, how can you not? It's a great rom-com. Uh, it's a horror rom-com. The, the Cornetto trilogy from Edgar Wright is just the most amazing The thing, which one? Man. Cornetto. It's uh, Shaun of the Dead, oh. Hot Fuzz, and then uh, World's End. World's End. All the, that's a, that trilogy. movie is highly underrated. For, oh, I love it. It's a good movie, movie, but it really kind of panned in the theaters, I think. Oh yeah, it absolutely bombed, but yeah, it was I really good. It, it was, was good fantastic. Movie. Such a good, great movie, especially with the rapper or the candy bar scene yeah. at the very end. <laughs> yeah, a little Cornetto. Yeah, no, it's uh, fantastic. All his movies are great. Yeah, but I think that's all I've got to say for this week. That's uh, all I we got. Dig into the really weird, weird, weird. Yeah, this one's a little bit shorter than normal, or a few minutes short of shy of an hour. Yeah. But all right, everybody, have a good night. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Oh, my God.